Hello there, weary traveler. Welcome to the inn. Sit, sit, rest your feet. Why, it's a long journey on the road to Tarvalon. Have a cup of tea, or maybe a frothy ale. The light, why, you're just in time for the entertainment. Here are your hosts, Tracy and Amber. When he breathed through his nose, the sweet stench of decay, heavy and thick, sickened him. When he tried breathing through his mouth, he almost gagged. The air tasted like a mouthful of spoiled meat. The horse's hooves made a soft squishing sound as rotting ripe things broke under them. Chapter 48, Eye of the World. And we are back. I'm here with my friend Tracy. I'm here with my friend Amber. And this is the Road to Tarvalin, a Wheel of Time podcast. And we're starting out with a stinking, squishing mess for the day. We are. These chapters, we've made it to the blight. We're almost done. Blight is here. We're Mm -hmm. almost done. This is this is our second to last Eye of the World episode. So we are covering chapters 47 through 50 this week, Mm -hmm. and 47 is called More Tales of the Wheel. And as we left off, we have the capture of Padon Fane, who has been following our crew Mm -hmm. for essentially the whole book. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And the setting is this. The Emmonsfield group is waiting for Moraine to come back. They are in Lord Agelmar's some type of sitting room, mm-hmm. I get the feeling. Mm-hmm. And Rand is pacing. <laughs> Lord Agelmar is talking to Egwene Nynaeve. Mm-hmm. And Loyal is kind of like tracing the architecture with his big fingers. And then he's kind of got his head like buried into the bricks and he's mumbling or speaking something in Ogier. I love so, that image of Loyal. Yeah. Like can't you just <laughs> see him with his face up against the stone, like tracing yes. it. Like it's the most charming image of all of them, really. I loved that. Yeah, Matt and Perrin are kind of somewhere on the side doing their thing, but mm-hmm. they're all in the same room. Mm-hmm. So the mood is pretty grim. They're waiting for Moraine to come back. As they're waiting, Egwene asks Lord Agelmar about Lan. And Nynaeve kind of, you know, like leans in (laughs) to hear the story. But she (laughs) acts like she's not trying to listen too intently. Because doesn't she kind of like pretend like she's looking in at her cup too? Like, I'm listening, Mm -hmm. but I'm not listening. Yeah. She's like, I'm indifferent. I don't care. (laughs) But I totally care. (laughs) Yeah. So Agomar starts telling the story of Lan's, I guess, heritage. Mm -hmm. And I tried to summarize this as quickly as possible, but it's kind of a lot. Just because of all the names Mm -hmm. and the relationships between the people involved. Yeah. So they first learn that Lan is the heir to the kingdom of Malkir. The first line of defense against the Blight in the very north of the borderlands. Mm -hmm. And he is the son of the last crowned king, Al-Akir and Mm El-Liana, Mandragoran. Not Ileana. Ileana! Sorry. (laughs) Ileana! So now Lan's uncle on his father's side was named Lane, and he was dared by his wife, Brayan, to lead an army into the Blight for glory or something of that matter. 
And everyone's like, yeah, they're going to make it all the way to Shale Ghoul. And they did not make it all the way. So (laughs) bad things happened. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So both brothers were loved by the people immensely. Mm -hmm. But Brian was jealous of Lan's father. Mm -hmm. And when... Lane, Lan's uncle, died in the blight with basically all of his men. Mm-hmm. It left Malkir without its large defensive army. Mm-hmm. So Brayan starts publicly blaming the king for not sending help. And this wasn't good for the kingdom, mm-hmm. obviously. So Brayan starts plotting with another Malkiri lord and a fighting hero named Cohen Gamalin. Mm-hmm. And he is known to be later they find out he's a dark friend i don't know how we're just told this Mm -hmm. so we have to go with it just go with it and brian wants to steal the throne from al akir for her son isam so they move all of their soldiers away from the blight and hordes of trollocs attack the broken kingdom so apparently Brian and our son are killed by Trollocs as they fled. Mm-hmm. And Cohen is outed as a big betrayer, the kingdom's betrayer, mm-hmm. and captured by the legendary hero Jane Farstrider. Mm-hmm. Jane Farstrider brings him to Lan's father, and Lan's father challenges him to single combat, a duel. <laughs> and... Clearly, uh, Lan's father was the better swordsman, mm-hmm. and he kills Cowan. Eventually, Malkir falls to the shadow. Lan's parents swear oaths in Lan's name, naming him the defender and the next king of Malkir. And they send little baby Lan to safety with a guard of 20 of their most trusted and fearsome warriors. Mm-hmm. Now, Al-Akir and El-Liana make one valiant last stand in Malkir against the attack of the Shadowspawn, mm-hmm. and things did not go well. They both die, and eventually Baby Lan arrives in Shinar, and out of the 20 men sworn to protect him, 15 died on the journey, and the other five were gravely wounded. But these men remained... A big part of Lan's life and basically raised him as a warrior. Mm-hmm. So he didn't have this, you know, cuddly, <laughs> nice childhood. He no. was raised by these killers, I guess, and the most fearsome warriors of Malkir. Yeah. So we kind of get to see a little bit like why Lan is like he is. Mm-hmm. You know, he just needed a hug, probably. Maybe. I, I think when I was when I was reading over this, I was wondering, was it fair to do that to an infant who had no choice in the matter to burden them with the entire responsibility of a fallen nation? It just mm-hmm. feels like a lot. No wonder Lan is always so stoic. Mm-hmm. I guess I look at it differently being a parent. Like I would I would not want to yeah. do that to my children. I would want them to have the choice of what they do next. But I think this is a lot of the mentality of these. And I mean, it's, it's a mentality that goes quite far back, really. Like you are what you like a little bit, your environment kind of. Yeah. And gives you your sense of self. (laughs) Yeah. And when it comes to inherited positions, so often it's just, that's just what it is. And you just take it and that's how it's supposed to be. And so in this, 
inherited position situation, it makes sense. But from like my softy parent heart, I feel like it's kind of um, it's kind of mean. Mm -hmm. It feels kind of mean. You think about not only being an orphan, Mm -hmm. but never having a real like mother figure. Mm -hmm. And sure, he's got plenty of father figures. We see in New Spring his relationship with Bukama. Mm-hmm. But Bukama is just this grumbly, very serious, mm-hmm. always swearing oaths, just rock of a man. Mm-hmm. And you see this character kind of like being passed on to land. Mm-hmm. And then that's a spoiler. I'll wait for later. <laughs> I am sure but that anyway, his, I, yeah. I, I don't I don't want to crack down on Land's parents. I'm sure they had the best of intentions in mind. Just in case anyone's like, Tracy's being mean, calling Land's parents mean. I'm sure they had the best of intentions. I just have to wonder if it's fair. That's all. Sure, sure. And I mean, who knows? They probably thought when they got Land to a safe place, Place, maybe he would be surrounded by more Malkiri people. Mm-hmm. Maybe there would be survivors. Yeah. They may not have seen the nothing. complete devastation of their nation. So, mm-hmm. yeah. It was done with hope in mind, and that's always a, a big factor that we come back to. So, absolutely. Just more an observation than a judgment call. <laughs> that's all being a parent is hard i can't imagine having yeah. to be in that situation that's all that's all so like i said lan is raised by these men and he becomes the warrior who he is today but mm-hmm. lan currently has no country to defend so mm-hmm. these oaths that his parents passed down to him in name it's kind of a tough situation because what was he supposed to do? Yeah. He's denying the crown and refuses to call his banner mm-hmm. because he knows the following would be large and he doesn't want to lead these people to their death. To their death, yeah. And for what, essentially? Mm-hmm. A couple broken towers? Right. I mean, yeah. it's a name only. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, an honor only. So you can see where the, there's a little bit of a cognitive dissonance. Mm-hmm. Like, he swore his oath to Moraine, and this kind of relieved him from mm-hmm. taking up his other oaths mm-hmm. for Malkir. So but it I, obvious- I don't want to say, like, he shucked his duties, Mm-mm. but I think... For him, he had to find his own way. Yeah. If that makes sense. And Moraine gave him an opportunity to still fight the shadow without bringing exactly. other people to their deaths. So exactly. she gave him a moment to take that on when he needed it. And mm-hmm. this is where they are now. Yeah. Great point. Oh, Great point. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> So at the end of Lord Agomar's story, Moraine arrives, and she has apparently got Pod and Fane to talk. He's been a dark friend for 40 years. He brought the Trolloc attack on Emmons Field, and she says that his mind was distilled and for some reason this word i had a reaction to it Mm -hmm. you know it has what does that mean it has kind of a visceral but mysterious feeling ominous right yeah like all of his sense of self was kind of like washed away Mm -hmm. and this happened at shale ghoul and she said padanfein abased himself to baal zaman and performed rites binding himself to the dark one Mm -hmm. and i think she even said 
hearing these rights would deafen your ears. Mm -hmm. So this is some pretty heavy stuff. Mm -hmm. And she goes on a little bit more about all of the events that happened, kind of his timeline. Mm -hmm. At one point, he was, I think, shoved in a cook pot, like doubled up on himself Mm -hmm. and transported folded in half Mm -hmm. yeah so that does not sound that does not sound like a luxurious way of traveling no (laughs) no (laughs) at this point moraine commands i mean suggests that lord agomar close the way gate outside of faldara Mm -hmm. and she says all of these boys are Taviran and they will be fighting at the eye of the world. Mm-hmm. And Agomar has a really strong reaction to this news. Mm-hmm. He starts sweating mm-hmm. and he gra- he's searching for his sword mm-hmm. and he says something like, Moraine Sedai, you're you know, you're not Red Aja. Like, what are you what are you thinking? And she's like, No, like, don't worry, Lord Agomar, they're Taviran mm-hmm. and they all have the old blood of Manatha. Mm-hmm. And we kind of leave it at that. Mm-hmm. And once again, we are left with because they're blood, right. they are special. Yeah. And even and- Agalmar kind of responds that way where he mm-hmm. like mouths Manetherin in almost this worshipful, mm-hmm. awestruck yes. way. So it yes. has a reputation still, like however many thousands of years later, it's it's still remembered. Yeah, and I've talked about it before um, during our Eye of the World recap. And I, for some reason, I feel like this is kind of, I don't know, I have a reaction to it where I'm just like, I don't like it. Like, I don't like the old blood of Manetherin. Yeah. It's a little bit, like, I don't know. It's kind of like a little bit problematic to me. Mm-hmm. I guess I have to separate it from our world and our history and put it in the setting of this is a fantasy novel. Mm-hmm. I don't know. When people start to believe that they come from like an ancient race of people that that, that makes them superior to mm-hmm. others, mm-hmm. bad things mm-hmm. tend to start happening. <laughs> what could you possibly be talking about? I'm right. baffled. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, you're but right. In, in this case, like I said, I have to separate it. Yeah. Maybe it's fortunate all they see themselves as are farmers in the two rivers, because if they (laughs) didn't. Right. Yeah. I mean, what if this gets back to all the people living in the two rivers Mm -hmm. and Zen Bowie starts, you know, (laughs) going buck wild, trying to claim territories. In the name of Manetherin? Yeah. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. I just kind of see like people like being like, yeah, we're we're the best ones. We're the special ones. Mm. But again, I always think it's funny because it comes back to what I was thinking with snakes and foxes, where he said Moraine is using her 23 and weave (laughs) like (laughs) she knows their blood Mm -hmm. just by somehow. Yeah. She's just just magically. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. But she doesn't answer Agolmar's question or fear that one of the young men in there can channel because that's what's Mm. making him sweat and get really uncomfortable is the only way he can see of fighting the dark one is by using the one power and now he assumes that Moraine has brought in someone 
who can channel and so it's freaking him out and she's like they're Taviran they're from Anethrin everything is fine but she doesn't directly answer his question so mm-hmm. it's kind of left oh, hanging oh and she says I think she says all but one have the blood of Manethrin. Yeah, I think it, I think she says like almost. And then almost Rand has a moment where he's like, Nynaeve. "How does she know?" Mm-hmm. Like he kind of glances over at Nynaeve and she shakes his head, like just a tiny little no. And he's like, "Then how does she know?" Yeah, yeah. It's that non weave. That nonverbal <laughs> communication is strong mm-hmm. in the Westland. Yeah, I mean she's she's known this prophecy since Gatara died mm-hmm. so she knows that one of them can't be yeah from the two rivers so yeah yeah but she does not say and I'm I'm just like man I said I are tricky they are tricky mm-hmm. that's why they have such that wild reputation yeah did you have anything else on 47 no that ends the chapter cool there. I enjoy that chapter I like the story that we finally get about Lan and that it comes out the way that it does. And I have a mm-hmm. momentary heart pang for Bukama. Bukama, you are remembered. We can talk about him in the spoiler section. Yeah. Because I just love the guy. He's so him. great. He's so great. I'm glad we get to bring him back. So chapter 48 is The Blight. Ingtar is put in charge of escorting Moraine and the unlikely group of people she has chosen to take to the eye of the world. He's all pissy about it because escorting them means he may not make it to the fight at Tarwin's Gap on time. Meh. Uh, Moraine tells Ingtar that everyone has their place in the pattern, which receives an affronted response from Ingtar. And Nynaeve is kind of flabbergasted by his eagerness. And she's like, are you seriously this excited to go off and fight Trollocs? And Ingtar looks at her, looks at Lan, and then his response is, that is what I do, lady, he said slowly. That is why I am. Why I am. And I really like that why I am, not who I am, why. Mm -hmm. And last week, I think we had said something about the word peace and how it's used. Mm -hmm. And in this, Aguin kind of catches on to this as well. And I like that we get Lan's reply because this was what I was trying to remember. And he says, when you have never known a thing except to dream, it becomes more than a talisman. And it's kind of this elusive and dour, but kind of relatable especially on the journey they're about to take of what that means for these entire nations along the border of the blight well yeah it's just that moment of not fighting that moment of respite Mm -hmm. is probably what they have to hold on to to Mm -hmm. keep going so you have to cherish the moments right and they do i think i i bet they party hard when they choose to Yeah, um, in the previous chapter, Lan's kind of like reciting poetry. Yes. And something to the effects of, you know, when everything around you is ugly and awful Mm -hmm. and you see something beautiful, you have to cherish it Mm -hmm. and find the beauty amongst the the, the starkness. The sickness, yeah. The, yeah, the dirtiness, the awfulness of the blight encroaching upon your home. Mm -hmm. For sure. 
as they're traveling into the blight, Ingtar has gone his way. Moraine and Lan are continuing to lead the rest of the group further into the blight. And Rand notices that it feels warmer and warmer. And Egwene mentions that this is the nicest weather they've seen this whole year. And Nynaeve shakes her head and she's like, it feels wrong. And Rand feels it too and, and agrees with her. And the heat increases and gets to everyone, including Loyal, who apologizes demurely for unbuttoning his coat and his shirt. And he's like, oh, I'm so, I'm so sorry. It's so cute. I just think of this really large well, oak gear that's Loyal. like, don't. He's, yeah, he's, he's like covered in hair and yeah. he's probably sweating so hard. And he's like, just, I got to air out. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Please. He's like, it's much cooler in this in studying Shanghai. So it's. It's just sweet how modest he is and how considerate mm-hmm. he is. I appreciate Loyal so much. Rand is reminded of the mire in the two rivers. And he says, in that boggy swamp, every breath came as if through a wool blanket soaked in hot water. And this is this is Fort Wayne. This is where <laughs> I was gonna say <laughs> flatland heat. Oh God, you know. it's the worst. I mean, Fort where we no airflow, yeah. no wind. This just like used to stagnant. be a swamp, and it still mm-hmm. kind of behaves like it, just in how humid and nasty it gets. And there are days I walk outside and walk right back inside because I'm just mm-hmm. like, nope, nope, can't even breathe out there. So moving deeper into the blight and the landscape begins to change. Land warns against touching anything because, of course, Rand is reaching out like he wants to touch something. Ooh, look at this. Yeah, yeah. And Land's like, so there's this thing called a stick and it'll bite you and its juice will start to digest your flesh. There's no way to stop it except to chop your limb off. So keep your hands to yourself, sheep herder. (laughs) Rand is like wiping his hands yeah, off. Yeah, he's on like, his clothes, oh, like, mm, whoops, no. sorry. And the blight sounds terrible. Like, you did the quote from earlier, and I pulled this one. And I, the one that I really just want to grab from it is uh, when he's breathed through his nose, a sweet stench of decay, heavy and thick, sickened him. Matt leaned out of his saddle and spewed until his stomach was empty. And you know what? I want to see it in the show. <laughs> Listen to this. This is how this is how bad it was for me reading this. I've had an earache for the past week mm-hmm. and my antibiotics have finally started kicking in, but it makes my stomach so queasy sometimes. Mm-hmm. I was sitting outside reading this mm-hmm. and I started swallowing oh, no. heavily, like no. gulping, and I was like, no. I'm putting this down. Like, oh, no. I had such a weak stomach to mm-hmm. hearing Matt start to throw up. Right. I'm just like, well, oh, and I man. mean, he uses the word spew. You can't help but react to a word like spew. Like you feel it in your gut. They go on a little bit further and Matt does it again and he's just a dry heaving. Right. Like there's nothing left. And I'm just like, poor Matt. Poor Matt. You know, he's got the dagger sickness going on. He's got a weak tummy. Poor guy. Poor guy. And Nynaeve is like, well, if Moraine doesn't feel it, I'm fine. Fine. I think at some point she's like riding behind Moraine, just like staring, staring at, at her. the back of her head. Her face is all tight. Like I can feel how tight her jaws clenched staring at Moraine's mm-hmm. back in that moment. So it approaches dark and Moraine makes a suggestion, you know, just kind of nonchalantly about a good luck camping site. And Lan gives her a flat stare and is like, I guess if we're going to camp He's anywhere. Probably, yeah. 
He's probably just like, God damn it, Moray. Yeah, yeah. Like, this is not a very... It, I can't decide how I feel about this as a choice. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot that I wrote this. Uh, so, Leanne gets all poker face around this situation from... Or suggestion from Moraine. And I wrote out, does anyone say more with nothing than Lan? And I just don't know if anyone does. <laughs> you know? Flat stairs, pointed stone wall. So fast he doesn't even bother with the intervening right? space. He is an amazing character. I have so much mm-hmm. love for Lan in the books. So they I, I swear I think Robert Jordan was like, This is my guy. I love that. I'm gonna give him the most badass, mm-hmm. uh, wise, honor driven qualities yeah everyone will love him and what i what i think is (laughs) he is my magnum opus (laughs) (laughs) i think he is and he is older like that's one of the things that i think is kind of almost easy to forget is lance probably what in his 50s like maybe a young 50s but still like he, so he does have an extensive amount of life experience. He has definitely not had it easy. So wise, cautious, rock solid ally, Lan is it's the whole yeah, thing. Even Lord Agalmar says, if you're going to the Blight, you ha- there's no one better in the world than Lan. Like he's the strongest, most trained and skilled warrior. And then on top of that, he's a warder. Yep. So he's kind of got like this double dose of he is literally <laughs> the best of the best you can't yeah. you just mm-hmm. don't get better than land so they arrive at the site moraine had suggested and there are lakes glittering in the distance and the broken remnants of seven towers Nynaeve asks why they couldn't camp closer to the lakes surely it must be cooler down there and matt says he would like to stick his hole in and he, his whole head in and he might never take it out and of course the moment he says that some giant scary as fuck thing rolls across the top of the water and ripples in it and like i can just this is why sometimes i feel like this book is a bit cartoony in my head because it says okay this bothers you but matt moto surfing on a tow rockin totally okay oh no no that's absolutely (laughs) cartoon worthy as well but that's why it feels that way because they're like man length upon man length of this of this monstrous body just keeps going and going and so i can just imagine they're all just standing there waiting on their horses Mm -hmm. sitting and then Finally, the piece de resistance, don't mind my terrible French, it has like this weird stinger at the end of it that like slides down into the water beneath it. And Rand's like, that couldn't have been hands on the end of the tentacles coming off of the stinger, could it? And of course, Matt has now completely changed his mind about putting his head in the lake. This is just some, we can talk about it in the spoiler section, but I... I love all of these strange creatures. In right. The and they're so creative. You think maybe he just like threw out words like mad libbing and then was like, okay, <laughs> and then I'm going to put this, 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 and this together. Maybe he wanted a Nessie Tentacle tribute. Tentacle hand, harpoon tail, wasp stinger <laughs> creature. Perfect. It's, every, it's everyone's fearsome dream. They set up camp. The guys go and take care of the horses, and Moraine sets up 
She doesn't set up like a barrier, but she sets up a ward. And in the mm-hmm. process of doing this, she kind of she freaks the boys out because like as they're taking care of the horses, they turn around and suddenly everyone that was there behind them is now gone. And Rand's like, what the heck is going on? And Lan looks at them and is like, for God's sake, guys, and just walks forward. Chunk. Yeah, like he disappears. And then they're like, she what? And so they all go clamoring in. And of course, it's just. Maureen, it's like, it's just a weave. Everyone kind of settles around and sits at the fire and tries to find like a little bit of comfort in each other as they can. And uh, Nynaeve announces her decision to go to Tarvalon with Egwene. And she basically says she wants to do it so that Egwene has a familiar face by mm-hmm. her. And Egwene's all excited. And she's like, we'll all be together. And Rand, you want to be my warder, don't you? And he's like, of course I would want to be your warder. Not meaning it at all. (laughs) I don't think he means it. I don't think he means it either. I think he's just saying, like, I think part of him means it. I think part of him wants to be, because, I mean, he does later on is like, I swear I will protect you. I think that really is Mm -hmm. what Rand wants deep down. But I think he also knows in his heart that that's just not, that's not what he really ultimately wants. And so... This is like one of those almost crisis of identity, considering that Rand and Egwene have been kind of destined to be together since they were young. So this has to be like there's so many things that are just a mind fuck throughout everything that they're going through. But everyone falls asleep except for Rand and Nynaeve and Lan. And Nynaeve obviously thinks Rand's asleep because she goes over to Lan and starts I, I want to say pouring her heart out to him, but she doesn't. She just kind of subtly lets him she's, know. But Yeah, she's it's strange to describe because it, as subtle as it is, it's also very direct. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She doesn't mince any words, Mm-mm. but she doesn't flat out say, she doesn't flat out state her feelings, but she kind of implies her intentions. Yes, yes. Well said. Thank you. Thanks. I needed that. Um... <laughs> And Lan's response to this is probably everything Nynaeve could have ever hoped to have heard him say. And he says, you are a remarkable woman, as beautiful as the sunrise, as fierce as a warrior. You are a lioness. Wisdom. He's being poetic in the way that he's describing her and the way that she affects Mm -hmm. him. And then he follows all of that up by saying, I will hate the man you choose because he is not me and love him if he makes you smile. So he's giving her everything she wants and then immediately taking it away from her. And Rand turns away after Lan has walked away because he doesn't think that the wisdom would want him to see her cry. And it's... It's piercing in its own way. It is. Poor Nynaeve. And that's where that ends. So, chapter 49, The Dark Stirs. So what we have now is Ran waking up and he's remembering, kind of eavesdropping on Nynaeve's conversation with Lan. And he sees her eyes are still red from crying and not sleeping. Do you remember the other week when I said, where are the heartfelt moments between the women yes we get one we get one (laughs) i still don't know how i feel about it but i'll continue (laughs) i'll explain why so he hears Egwene softly comforting her 
Nynaeve, mm-hmm. and Egwene's kind of giving Lan the stink eye, mm-hmm. like, how dare you do that to her? Mm-hmm. I love this moment because it's just, like I said, it's this moment of companionship between two women that have known each other their whole lives. Yeah. What I find funny is being attacked by these evil creatures, almost dying multiple times, having the dark one on your trail. We've had Egwene crying and death, you know, just moments away. Mm -hmm. But we have to save the they're there patting on the back for the man problems. (laughs) (laughs) If that makes any sense. Yeah, yeah. But this this does really affect Nynaeve. And I think since this is the first time that we see her cry or being emotional about something, having her feelings hurt... It's appropriate, and mm-hmm. I love that I, that Egwene is there to comfort her. Mm-hmm. But as we go on, the group kind of takes a last look at the ruins of the Seven Towers and the lake in the distance, and we set off. And the blight is becoming more dense, and it says that the trees ooze liquid, and Matt says they look like they want to grab out mm-hmm. and kind of attack them. And as he says this, Moraine says, they do want Mm -hmm. to attack and grab you, but my presence here will protect you. Mm -hmm. And just then, after she says that, Rand watches a tree kind of snap down Mm -hmm. and it grabs something off the ground. Mm -hmm. And whatever it grabs off the ground starts screaming Mm -hmm. and writhing. Mm -hmm. And you can see... Or you can hear Rand thinking about how it's like rustling around and very scary. And just as fast after that happens, we hear noises and another creature shows up making weird noises. So Land rides off, comes back with black blood covering him and his sword. And he takes out a piece of cloth, and the moment he cleans his sword off, and he does this very intently, not leaving a drop of this black blood on his sword, Mm -hmm. he kind of lets the cloth fall to the ground, and as it falls, it just disintegrates like ash. Mm -hmm. Then, after this happens, a massive creature, I think they say the size of a bear, Mm -hmm. with many appendages, jumps at Lan. And Mandarb is about to, like, donkey kick this creature. But before it gets close enough, Matt looses an arrow Mm -hmm. and shoots the creature in its one eye. Mm -hmm. Yes, Matt. Well done. I was even. Yeah. Even Lana's like, thanks, man. Right. It was nice. Yeah. (laughs) Good shot. (laughs) Well done. A moving target Mm -hmm. from the back of a horse. Quick as quick as can be, you know. Right. Matt's like, got it. Good job, and Matt. at this point, Matt has all of his arrows like up over his shoulder, mm-hmm. quiver, bow, everything ready to go. And it's nice to see him reaching for his bow again because Rand mm-hmm. kind of comments on it in the earlier part. Instead of the dagger, yeah, yeah, he's like he's remembered. But what was he gonna do? Throw the dagger? <laughs> no way! Are you kidding? <laughs> but I mean, maybe who he knows? He didn't really have a choice. Did yeah, he? no. I mean, he could have just sat on his horse holding his dagger, maybe. But... <laughs> like waving it around, like, oh, I'll show you. <laughs> but 
But also, it's like he's also kind of got that golem like mine, mine. Mm-hmm. So I can't see him letting it go, throwing it anywhere. Mm-hmm. So, anywho, the group starts writing very hurriedly. And there are creatures gnashing out and grabbing and attacking. And they're kind of in this forest. Mm-hmm. We can't really see what's attacking them, but it's like the trees have become alive mm-hmm. and we're hearing shrieking noises. And everyone's fighting now. All hell has broken loose. Mm-hmm. So Rand is screaming Manetherin mm-hmm. at the top of his lungs. And he's using his heron-marked sword to slash his way through. Matt is loosing a never-ending hail of arrows while yelling the cries for the Queen of Manetherin. Mm-hmm. So he's all like, Elisande! Elisande! Right? And then Perrin, who is now in the lead, is standing in his in his uh, stirrups mm-hmm. while he's riding and chopping at the trees with his axe. And... They're just being attacked from every angle. How does he know? T- how does he know how to do that? How does Perrin? How does Perrin know how to ride a horse standing while chopping at oncoming enemies with an axe? Like this seems like it's something kind of like standing on your bicycle. No, I'm terrible at that. I would have fallen off. You know, like there are so many <laughs> yeah, things that have. they do that that strike me as something that you would need to be trained how to do. And instead, he's just like do do do. You just have to have you just have to have really strong leg muscles and I abs. When I was younger, because every time the horse takes a step, mm. you kind of like lift up. bounce your knees so you're not going up and down. Mm-hmm. You kind of like absorb the shock in your in your legs. Mm-hmm. So you got to have some thick. Thick legs and Perrin is pretty meaty. Yeah, so he's a thick boy. Maybe I'm it's sure. maybe it's just a natural ability. I, yeah, but like yeah. just thinking about, it, I was like, how got that you... chopping stance. <laughs> <laughs> he knows how to swing things really, really, really well. So well, yeah, yeah. pounded on the forge, man. <laughs> Sorry. So what? <laughs> okay. I mean, is that not the same swing? No, the it totally is. Ch- it totally okay. is. It totally is. Don't don't mind me. Don't mind me. Just- okay. So Moraine is shooting fireballs, and she says she's worried now that the shadow spawn, the Trollocs, the Fades, will see their location mm-hmm. from this mass of fires going out everywhere. And she's trying to push the group forward as fast as possible. Now, as all of them are doing this. Lan is moving out on his own Mm -hmm. and kind of coming back Back and and forth. forth. And each time he comes back with Mandarb, they're both covered in blood and wounds. Mm -hmm. And each time they come back, Moraine heals him and the horse Mm -hmm. and they go off again. So it's just kind of this repetitive healing, fireball throwing slashing it sounds exhausting <laughs> it gives us kind Absolutely. of an idea of what it was it might have been like during the trollic attack in the three rivers with him like dashing out and being injured and coming back because i don't really i don't think Ooh, we that's see a that great point yeah i mean there are other moments where there are like small skir- well, not small but there are skirmishes that happen mm-hmm. but this going out and coming back wounded healing going back out again this has to have been exhausting for moraine yeah and for land too like good lord 
And in this case, she's even healing the horse. Right? Yeah. But like you said, maybe we'll get something like this in the show, which would be a really great way to show off what all an Aes Sedai can do Mm -hmm. before we get to the Tam healing moment, Mm -hmm. I guess. Mm -hmm. So we'll know that Maureen can heal Mm -hmm. and... That'll make Tom's like suggestion if we get it. Yeah, <laughs> like, even <you> know. <laughs> even more. Mm-hmm. But where was I? Let's see. Suddenly the forest quiets and they hear a what Lan calls worm approaching. And it's not just one worm, it's a group. And we know that these are the Jumara, these worms in the blight. We'll talk about them later. I should have I, I had my mug with me today. My Jumara mug. I thought about I it. Thought you might. I, thought, I thought you might. I thought about it. And then I, um, and then I forgot because, you know, whatever. But yeah, I should have. I it Dang happens. It. Dang it. Anyway. So these worms, as they're called, are so ferocious that them coming towards them has scared all of the other creatures away. And... Lan has this moment where he wants a death wish Mm -hmm. and he's like, I'm going to go fight them all. And Moraine commands him not to turn back. Mm -hmm. Ran is completely losing his cool. He's about to give up and just be like, they're going to kill me. I don't care. It's the end. Mm -hmm. But the idea of leaving Egwene alone Mm -hmm. to die or to fight for herself pushes him onward. And suddenly the group finds themselves in a flowering, forested meadow with butterflies Mm. and bees buzzing and a serene feeling. And someone greets them, and it is the green man, the last living Nim. Mm. So he approaches them, and he calls loyal little brother, so and my sweet. heart can't take how adorable it is. Right. He calls Perrin wolf brother, and Perrin's like, hey, man, mind your own business. <laughs> he kind of just, like, ignores him, and he calls Rand child of the dragon. Mm-hmm. The green man explains he is slowly losing his memories, and the dark one stirs. Every year, it is increasingly harder to protect the eye of the world from the blight. And that's where we leave off. I love that. It's just a really touching moment. And I love this kinship between the Ogier and the Green Man. Green Man, mm-hmm. we talked about it on the Shadow Spawn, or not Shadow Spawn, the Creature episode, mm-hmm. the Sentient Creature feature mm-hmm. episode. But they do have a kinship being that they can both perform similar tasks Mm -hmm. without the use of the one power, Mm -hmm. which is kind of cool. And his the green man's recognition of Perrin Mm -hmm. indicates age for him, like how old he is, because we've Mm -hmm. we've been told how often this ability to talk to wolves is older than the dark one. So old. Mm -hmm. And then also calling Ran child of the dragon Whatever that is, I kind of want to be one. (laughs) I want somebody to call me a child of the dragon. It just sounds cool. But of course, it doesn't sit well with Rand, who already feels really confused about who the hell he is. Mm -hmm. So then we move on to chapter 50, Meeting at the Eye. And here it is. It's the culmination of everything they have been 
talking about. It's the title of the book. I love it when we actually get to see something that gets taunted at like the beginning of mm-hmm. a story. And it's it's nice that we've been given this task since a few chapters. We have to get to the eye. We have to get to the eye. And then obviously it's the name of the book. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it doesn't. We'll necess- yeah, it doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to actually get to the eye of the world just because the name of the book is the eye of the world. And I think that was one of the reasons why when we got to it, I was like, yes, thank you for not like keeping that for later on. Yeah, like uh, to be continued. Exactly. There are more than enough places throughout, especially these last few chapters that leave you wanting more. I think Robert Jordan just does a brilliant job of pulling you into the next place without even really realizing you have a cliffhanger to wait for, if that makes sense. I feel like in these few chapters that we get, we have some really good payoff. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yes. We've been traveling a lot. We've had all of these hardships mm-hmm. along the the road and... We need a big payoff now. Yeah. We've been reading for a long time, mm-hmm. and I think this is this is a great place to um, have our last chapter because we get a little bit of a to-be-continued. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So meeting at the eye, Rand notices that as they walk further into the green man's haven, that thousands of burning points piercing his point his boins his boins his bones <laughs> my old boins <laughs> rant my old boins <laughs> i'm sorry no i don't know what came over me i am really glad that that happened thank you i i needed that thank you um the last few days have been stressful. Laughter is good for me. So thousands, <laughs> these thousands of burning points have winked, have winked out. And he feels it must be the presence of the green man and the soothing peacefulness and abundant greenery around them. And when we've been reading it the way that we've been reading it, where it's just four chapters and then we talk about it and it's four chapters and we talk about it. Sometimes it's easy for me to forget the scenery that they've gone from to the greenery that they're or the scenery that they're getting now. So mm-hmm. spring hasn't come. Crops aren't growing. Trees don't have leaves. And then they came to the borderlands, which are and all of these kind of like natural things in nature that they've seen, you know, like the rolling hills outside of Kyrian, mm-hmm. the Terran River where they were like, it's so big, mm-hmm. you know, like I love how the nature and the scenery is included. Mm-hmm. It's just, this is one of the reasons why I love these books yeah. so, so much. And this one feels like you're walking into a dreamscape and yes. to go from yes. that violence death riding on their shoulder to all of them feeling peaceful. It says that Aguin and Nynaeve wore small, serene smiles and they gently touched the flowers and things around them. I mean, this must have been like just for their eyes, like a feast for their eyes. You know, it's been they've been starved of things that are growing for so long. And I love that we get this. You know, mm-hmm. after all of this, this is such, like you said, it's been such a long road. The green man post-introduction starts walking with them through his beautiful area. And he says that flowers are meant to adorn. And so he gently I plucks. I love this. I want to be there. 
I want the, I love I want this. the green man to make me a cap of flowers and to weave them into my hair so that they still look like they're growing. It's just beautiful. Even more rain it gets a crown of like morning stars or something like that. And I think it was yeah, he he lists off a multitude of right? I think, three different flowers, Just so but never pretty. more than one or two from the same from the plant. same plant. And I mean, that's just that's just how you should take care of your garden. It's beautiful. He is his surroundings are who he is in so many, not even in so many ways. That's just it. Period. He's a nymph. That's what he lives for, and he's mm-hmm. been put in charge of watching over the eye of the world he's the guardian and so he walks them through to the middle of his garden and in the side there's like a hill and in the side of the hill there's an archway and it has the symbol like the ancient symbol of the Aes Sedai so the half black half white sinuous Mm -hmm. line down the middle and of course Oh, Matt. Of course, Matt is like, uh, before we go in there, I'd really like to see the tree of life and stuff. Uh, can we do that? Surely we have time for that. And the green man is like, what? And he looks over at Rand like Rand should know better. <laughs> and he's like, I haven't I haven't seen that tree in 2000 years. It's not here. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry, bud. Yeah. Your 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 attempt to delay what you're about to do has just fallen apart. So, of course, Mm -hmm. they walk into the cavern and. okay, I have to ask this because I couldn't help thinking it. There's this very elaborate description of the structure that they're walking into. And this has been created by Aes Sedai, both men and women, during the breaking of the world, but they didn't hastily throw something together. Oh no, it's like smooth, polished stone on the side, and it's like the slowly twisting, gradual decline to this beautiful pool. And there are crystals in the walls and light reflecting, and it's just this glowing, beautiful place. And I'm like, how did you have time for that? Who made that for you? Could they do that with the power? Did they have to get a contractor? Like, it's just... <laughs> do you know what okay, I mean? Okay, when, when did they make it? I think that it says in the book that it was done during the breaking. And so, like, everything is going so, crazy around them, and they build this structure? Okay, do you know what but I mean? If they, yeah, but it's just curious that if they used male channelers during the breaking, were they already mad or was this before this happened? I think it was as the madness was beginning. And so you were still so having... There, there would have been... There still would have been a taint on Sidene. Mm-hmm. So how is it that everything else that tainted Sidene has touched become... Becomes tainted? tainted? Yeah. But this doesn't? Well, and hmm. it, it says in here, I think it's... I think it's just a little bit further down where once they're inside the eye, Moraine explains, or maybe it was even the green man who said it, but that they worked together to distill a pure pool of Sadine for a future male channeler to use against the Dark One in some way. And that they really didn't know exactly who would use it or when it would be needed or exactly why it would be needed, but they knew it would be needed and they knew they would all die attempting to create this. So I feel almost like 
this sounds really simplistic, but like maybe they made like some sort mm-hmm. of a sieve, you know, to like or sieve to catch it. Yeah, cheese <laughs> like, cloth for the taint. Yes, <laughs> yes, exactly. They just like squeeze it a little, put it in there, a little blue food coloring, so everyone can see it. It's it's intriguing. It's intriguing mm-hmm. that they work together, and there's just this little. I really hadn't understood completely what it meant. For there to be this pure pool of Sadine set aside. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe it's just the fact that I think about this more. I don't know if I, if I, especially in my first reads, understood what exactly that was and what it could be used for. Anyway, of course the idea of Sadine is going to freak Perrin and Matt well, Matt and Rand out, but any of the the young men in there, because Sadine is, at, is attached to male mm-hmm. channeling and madness and badness and all of those things. Perrin, <laughs> Perrin's my favorite in this because he's just standing over it with his axe out, like growling and muttering at it. And I feel, I feel like that's where I would be. <laughs> 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 You're not the boss of me. Perrin's reactions to everything in the past few chapters have been pretty much without any words. It's just yes. animal-like emotions, really. Yes. <laughs> yeah, and he's the only one of the the three young men who aren't really affected as much by the blight. Like, he responds to it almost like the warder does instead of mm-hmm. the way that Matt and Rand do. So there's definitely a separation of identities and purposes or reactions that come between the three young men and I I appreciate it. I appreciate the direction that Perrin is taking, surprisingly. It's almost like Perrin is bonded to the wolves, like a warder is bonded mm. to an Aes Sedai. They both kind of have this special ability now, but mm-hmm. Perrin didn't go through any ceremony or anything. Yeah. He just kind of came in contact to someone mm-hmm. with it, and now he has it. But I really love the similarities and separations between mm-hmm. these old, the old magic and what is the new, I wouldn't say new magic, but Sidene, Sidar, mm-hmm. one power. Yeah. I was just going to say that Perrin's connection to the wolves makes me feel as though his connection to nature is a bit deeper. And so his reaction to the corruption of nature would probably be more on the violent side, like almost like Loyal's reaction is to it. Like Loyal wants to destroy everything around them because it's just an abomination of nature. And you really can't offend an Ogier much more than that. Mm-hmm. Um, after they're all done inside the eye of the world, they begin to leave and the this again this is one of those cartoony moments where Moraine leads the way and Aguin and Nynaeve scurry after her and even Lance kind of quick but Rand, Matt and Perrin are almost knocking each other over trying to run up and mm-hmm. Rand's like he would have ran over everyone in front of him to get out before the rest of like before the rest of them are ready to leave he just wanted to barrel his way out of there and cartoony puffs of yeah dirt you know there's another moment that i when i was reading this chapter i was like come on man like this is silly i think that's why it turned into such a a good source for a comic book is it has kind (laughs) of that not necessarily suspension of disbelief but Mm -hmm. the 
to me, like the mean. Forsaken feel kind of cartoony frequently, mm-hmm. and just some of the actions as they happen. That's the moment that I kind of like chuckled to myself when we meet the Forsaken, and what does he say? Um, like I found you at last, or something <laughs> ridiculous, and I'm just like. Like, this guy walks out from between the trees like, hmm, I found you. Like, yeah. (laughs) This guy has no tongue. Yeah. (laughs) He's just like Beaker from the Muppets. (laughs) I found you at last. (laughs) (laughs) I would have died to see, was it Bethamel? Bethamel? Mm -hmm. Who, who, like, no longer can speak? That would have been mm-hmm. amazing. But they are. Sorry, I'm getting no. ahead of you. No, it's totally fine. It's perfect to move us along. This was actually like a, a fairly long chapter. So trying to like bring it down was a little was a little difficult. But when they walk out, two creepy as fuck guys walk towards them. And it's the Forsaken, or at least two of them. And we are meeting Agnor and Belthamel? Belthamel? Thamel. I always say everything wrong. Thamel. Who knows? Yeah. Who cares? The thing, I, I don't want to get into a whole bunch of stuff about the Forsaken, but I just want to point out that Agenor is the creator of all of the Shadow Spawn, with the exception of the Drakkar. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, like, when they were running from the worms, the Jumara, that's one of Agenor's creations as well. And I think Ishamayel had said something about how. It didn't really have a purpose. It couldn't be used militaristically. He just wanted to see how horrible of a monster he could create. So this mm-hmm. is this is the person that they are approaching or the non-person forsaken. First Lan, then Nynaeve are taken out. And Nynaeve had been picked up by her face, which sounds terribly painful, mm-hmm. by... Was it Agonor or was it Belthamel? I don't remember she which one picked her She goes to stab Agonor and then... Bethamel, 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 grabs her by the face. Uh Uh-huh. Okay, okay. And Rand, his thoughts are the whale that left Nynaeve burned Rand's ears like despair ripped from her living heart. I love really beautiful word usage that pulls you along with it. The green man steps in and is like, this shall not be, and picks up Bothalmel, who then grabs a hold of the green man's head and tries to set him on fire. But the green man is special and powerful in his own what in his own way. And as he tries to separate himself from the green man, he starts shooting. I think it says all of the things that grow in the dark and the dank began to sprout out from... Bethamel's body and by the time all of these things have grown over him he's basically just a mound of ground and not even anything that resembles a human being at all and it's that's kind of a cool thing to be able to do it's up there with one of my favorite deaths mm. what happens to B- Bethamel mm-hmm. god damn it I know right that's a, that's a hard one but when he's explaining the lichen rooting and mm-hmm. creeping out from between the cracks in the leather gloves mm-hmm. and mushrooms and fungus and spores kind of just overtaking him. I was like, ooh, that's mm-hmm. kind of cool. Yeah. it's an, And at the same time, this is another place where like cartoon imagery 
is mm-hmm. really good because you can see yeah. and feel that bursting of mm-hmm. things growing out of him. And as a cartoon, maybe maybe not cartoon, maybe it's more anime. Well, that's a cartoon, right? It is, I but mean, the style is a bit animated. different. So, well, I just mean like not live yeah. actors. Yes. Yep. I like it. <laughs> okay. Um, so all the El- Emmons fielders are tossed down at some point, and each one of them, except for Nynaeve, who I'm a bit worried about, mm-hmm. they don't stay down. Rand's thought is no human could fight the Forsaken, but there was no way that the Forsaken was going to think that he was groveling to him. And he even reaches down to try to help Aguin up. And she's like, stop. I can she do this myself. She hand away. Yeah. She's like, I can stand up on my own. Thank you very much. And Rand and Matt and Perrin and Aguin are all like determined to face these Forsaken yeah. on their feet. I mean, it's just one now. But Moraine now jumps in and is like... You're done, Forsaken, and tells everybody to run. And as they begin to run, I mean, there's hesitation. But then when they begin to run, Rand realizes that he hears Moraine begin to scream. And that's where that's where the chapter ends. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah. So all of these young people and a Forsaken from the Age of Legends lands out, Nynaeve's out. Aguin's tried to channel. I like that he referred to her power as puny. (laughs) (laughs) Wimpy, wimpy, wimpy. Right? Like, give her a little bit of credit. It might not be that Mm -hmm. bad. But the thing is, is like, how does he know? Yeah, exactly. Like, how does he know? How do you know, Rand? Maybe maybe she's a (laughs) really powerful Maybe she's Maybe she's the one holding him and Moraine is trying to match hers. Who knows? Yeah, who knows? Rand can't see. Can <laughs> I don't know. But there are a lot. I feel like I feel like there are a lot of things in the spoiler section. Yeah, me too. Before we get to the spoilers, there is so much in these chapters that I love. Mm-hmm. And there are also some things where I'm like, eh, mm-hmm. meh. Same. That's strange. Like it almost just feels like filler? Or mm, not necessarily that. It's almost like things weren't, the story wasn't fully fleshed out. There where you go. I'm kind of feeling like there's some inconsistencies where mm-hmm. I'm kind of like questioning, well, how does that work? Mm-hmm. What does this mean for the story where I'm kind of left thinking a little too hard about it? Me where too. I think the normal person would just say, just, you know, sit back, enjoy it. Right. You know, don't think too much about it. Yeah. But. But no, like I said, there are some really great moments. Mm-hmm. So very and I'm, happy. Very I'm pleased. guilty of overthinking everything. So <laughs> I'm with you. Break time? Break sounds great. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to try and be quick. That sounds good. Uh, hey, friends. I know this isn't our usual ad. However... Amber and I wanted to share with you that things are growing and we have opportunities for you to help us continue to create quality Wheel of Time content. First, we finally joined the world of Patreon and would love your support. We have four tiers ranging from $3 a month to $25 a month. To thank you for your support, there are perks for each tier, including exclusive merchandise not sold in our Threadless shop. You can find out more about each tier and how you can support us at Patreon backslash RoadToTarvalen.com 
or just click on the link in the show notes. Second, our Threadless shop is overflowing with beautiful designs and various items to put them on. We have coffee mugs, phone cases, tote bags, notebooks. There are also plenty of t-shirts and tanks for the summer. Third, we love you guys, really. Thank you for all the support you have given and for keeping us company on the road to Tarvalon. So, okay, let's... <laughs> Spoiler. Yeah, let's stop talking about body woes and bullshit i mean it's not but you know what i mean yeah spoilers let's do spoilers that sounds like much more fun (laughs) okay so Uh, we'll start with chapter 47 mm -hmm. more tales from the wheel Mm -hmm. and i was kind of as i was reading these chapters about land's backstory i was thinking to myself this has to be included in the show right i mean this is pretty big information i just wonder how they're gonna do it yeah because i know some of the the shinarans were cast Mm -hmm. and people are assuming that season one will be all of book one or most of book one and bits of book two Mm -hmm. but with other plot lines maybe that reoccur throughout the whole series Mm -hmm. tossed in Mm -hmm. sprinkled in maybe but I don't know. I I don't know if they're going to do a flashback or if it will just be word of mouth Mm -hmm. like we have with Lord Agomar explaining it to everyone. Mm. But I feel like this, it has to be included. I will die on this hill. There is, you know, there's no other option for me. (laughs) I'm with you. I am 100% with you on this one. I am going to do it. New Spring made me. I was, yeah, yeah. It made me look at land so differently, and I feel as though knowing his backstory, seeing point of views, because we don't get a point of view from land until way later in the series, like not mm-hmm. until close to the end of the series, and so all we see is how other people see him, and in New Spring we actually get his internal monologue, and it's so much right. more poetic and thoughtful and almost romantic than Mm -hmm. most of the things we ever see from Lan, except for when he's like all going on about how wonderful Nynaeve is. I just forgot how to read when I was trying to read what I wrote. (laughs) So he was much more eloquent than I was when he was... (laughs) When he was telling her how he feels. Well, I think, too, because of New Spring, I mean, I... That's another hill I'll die on. I really want to see bits of that layered in with season one. But yeah. I really hope we'll get at least a mention of Bukama. He was one of those characters that I really enjoyed. Mm-hmm. And what I was saying earlier, where I didn't want to get too much into the spoilers, mm-hmm. we are seeing this moment of mentoring mm-hmm. from New Spring with between Lan and Bukama and how Lan kind of passes that on to Rand. Mm-hmm. In Rand's case, maybe the mentoring that... Okay, so the mentoring that Lan received, maybe that worked for him. Mm-hmm. Maybe he doesn't feel like he's missing something in his life Mm -hmm. from, you know, being orphaned Mm -hmm. and not having his parents around. Mm -hmm. And Lan is a lot harder Mm -hmm. than Rand when we see Rand in the beginning of the the show Mm -hmm. or the series. But when Lan is like, you know, like you have to sheathe the sword and Lan is kind of like trying to toughen him up. Mm -hmm. You know, Cat crosses the courtyard. He's kind of like, I don't want to say he's 
showing him how to be a man, Mm -hmm. but he's giving him these like strong, traditional, uh, stereotypical, like male, Mm -hmm. not like machismo or anything, but just like strength kind of. And that works for Land, but I don't know if that was the best mentoring for Rand because as we see him telling himself, like, I have to be hard, I have to be hard, it breaks him down Mm -hmm. and we get so much, you know, mental strife from Ran and it's hard not to not to feel for him but it's an interesting dynamic how that's kind of passed from one person to the next Mm -hmm. so for sure it's it's cool Mm -hmm. so another thing is when we learn about the wife of Lan's uncle Mm -hmm. the one who plotted to steal the throne for her son Mm -hmm. I love how it's mentioned like we don't know for sure but they apparently died in the blight, or not in the blight, yeah, in the blight, where the Mm -hmm. Trollocs were coming Mm -hmm. in and attacking. So they were on their way out. And we know later on who Isam becomes. Mm -hmm. And And how he he lived through the town, like how he survived that, like every day for him from the time of his youth until his death was a day fraught with deadly challenges for him you know mm-hmm. not only is the town filled with Merdral and Trollocs there are all of those Aiel dudes creeping around and this is what he grew up against it's mind-boggling and and then what's even weirder is how not only is Esam Slayer mm-hmm. but he is merged with the brother of Tigrain, Rand's uncle. Uncle. Mm-hmm. So it would be Esam is Lan's cousin. Mm-hmm. It's just so weird. And then T- <laughs> so like all these characters show back up. They right. show back up and they get merged with other characters. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because yeah. he doesn't he doesn't just stay himself. He becomes mm-hmm. a blend of another character, which then becomes a single character, which then becomes right. like fucking Lord <laughs> Luke later on. Yeah, what so the there's hell? so many diverging, you know. How am I supposed to keep <laughs> track of that? How did any of us keep yeah. track of any of these things without the like ability to access the internet when these books first came right? out? I probably had notebooks or something. <laughs> right. Underline Just it. Just try to write out things. This person is connected here and that person. That was why I had to own the whole series. I couldn't just have these from the library. You know, you have to be able to yeah, get back. Yeah, that and, would have been impossible. Right? Oh, that's terrible. Especially if you're waiting a year or so in between books. Mm-mm. No more of but, that. Thank you very much. Now we just have yeah. to wait for this stupid <laughs> TV show. No, I'm just kidding. I'm so excited about the TV show. It's not stupid at all. I'm excited. Okay. <laughs> I'm trying to get past this point because it's like, okay, Moraine is so repulsed by the degradation of Pot on Fane that she washes her hands in boiling water. Right. Well, they don't say it was boiling, but it said like fresh off the stove yeah, from it's boiling. Steaming. So it's scalding hot yep. water. And she just like plunges her hands in and wipes them off. Mm -hmm. So she probably had to heal herself afterwards. She can't. You know? You can't heal yourself, can you? Oh, you might be right. Maybe Nynaeve had an ointment. 
<laughs> some sal <laughs> yeah but still yeah but it's st- and mm-hmm. i or it's similar to the like not letting heat mm, get to you touch you like maybe she's like mm, yeah maybe she's like be away she says heat. That it's, it's inside her chest where she feels dirty she's like i feel dirty here and i'm like oh i bet yeah and speaking of pot on fame it almost feel sorry for the guy I mean, you don't want to be sympathetic to all of these dark friends and people that align themselves with the side of the shadow. But when you hear about what he went through, it is repulsive. Mm -hmm. And I think I talked about it last week. I had remembered at some point it was described as him being driven. Mm -hmm. And he says, like, I'm his hound, Mm -hmm. a hound for the dark one. Mm -hmm. And he couldn't even allow himself to rest the moment that he wasn't doubled over out of breath. Mm -hmm. Something pushed him to keep running and he was eating like lizards and bugs Mm -hmm. as he ran, or he would just stop to dig through someone's trash. I'm just like, Oh, that's, it's pitiful. And I mean, think about what that means for other parts of being human. Does he bathe? Does he have an opportunity to like change his clothes? No. And so no. all of those things that are essential to taking care of yourself that may not necessarily be thought of in the moment, like he is being... That man is not brushing his teeth and flossing, for sure. <laughs> he taps on the top of the trollic pot. Guys! <laughs> <laughs> My mouth feels a little, um, um, something. You got any of that mouthwash up there? (laughs) Swish and spit, guys. Swish and spit. Yeah, it's just, it really is, it's so Gollum-esque. It's hard not to make comparisons to Lord of the Rings Mm -hmm. throughout the series, but this is one of the, like, the distillation of who he is as a human being gets removed from him. And everything just put, I mean, he had to push himself through the ways Moraine even shares that part of his journey was killing the man who owned the shop that was above the cellar that had Mm -hmm. the way gate in it. And it wasn't because he had to. He did it because he was jealous of the man's freedom. So how far Mm -hmm. have you been pushed that that is your response to another person's ability to just walk free as you kill them? So Mm -hmm. he's like she said, like she says, he's more than a dark friend less than human you know he's this new creature it's another blending like we were just yeah. talking about Isam, and now we're talking about fane and fane goes through so many transformations yes he definitely makes Lost. a few different yeah. morphs throughout his journey mm-hmm. i know i can't stop thinking of anamorphs like the book covers where it's like a person <laughs> slowly changing into a creature mm-hmm. we need like the pot on fane to Mordeth, two, et cetera, mm-hmm. et cetera. Not quite human. I did really love this moment from Egwene where she says, no man can stand in the shadow so long as that he can't find the light again. Yep. And she's talking about Pot on Fane, mm-hmm. hoping that there's a chance, you know, maybe he can be healed from everything. Mm-hmm. And we also have just met Inktar, mm-hmm. so it's kind of like a nice little moment of foreshadowing. I don't know if Inktar at this point was, if he was fully fleshed out and Robert Jordan knew 
that he was going to be a dart friend. Maybe he did. Maybe it totally was mm-hmm. a part of the plan. But I like how he kind of introduces him right at this moment mm-hmm. where in the books where we're questioning if people can change back and walk in the light again. Mm-hmm. It also shows this, you know, side of Egwene where she's, I feel like a, a part of her as she rises to become Amerlin mm-hmm. has a something deep within her that she doesn't want to leave anything broken. Mm-hmm. So when she's seeing this broken man, it kind of carries over to her dealing with the broken white tower. Mm-hmm. And it's just kind of who she is mm-hmm. at this point. Mm-hmm. But I think she's kind of like growing into Egwene. And this is at the point in the books where I'm finding myself really enjoying her. Mm-hmm. I think it shows a side of forgiveness on her part as well, considering the abuse that she and Perrin experienced when they were being held prisoners by the White Cloaks. And that was something that was said to them while they were in captivity. And for her to still be Mm -hmm. able to say that, mean it sincerely, shows that while there's trauma involved in that situation, she's not bitter from it. And that she still believes in the hope of the light versus the darkness that can come along with it. And so also a Mm -hmm. layer of maturity and wisdom that she's able to grow into later on as well. And as much as I'm nodding along and being like, yeah, I'm really enjoying Mm -hmm. her in this moment, there's a moment later on in the last chapter where I had to just kind of like (laughs) facepalm myself. We'll get to it when we get to that Mm -hmm. chapter, but... Yeah, I don't have all praise for Egwene <laughs> in this moment because something happens later where I'm just like, Damn you know what? It. Though that's fair. But humans forward, we're all humans. Mm-hmm. Even even our fictional humans are the- humans. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Moving forward to the blight, the only thing that I had to say right here is I love this creature that comes up out mm-hmm. of the water. It's like the Loch Ness mm-hmm. Monster had a baby with a kraken <laughs> and then it grew tentacle, hand, arm things. It's so, it's ridiculous, but mm-hmm. I love it. And this is another thing where when we're thinking about special effects mm-hmm. with the TV mm-hmm. show, like these are some Lovecraftian mm-hmm. creepy mm-hmm. monsters and I'm here for it. And I think the thing that I also like about that is even though what is happening in the scenery around them is creepy, it appears as though everything else is fairly normal about it. Like the sky hasn't changed color, the landscape is still kind of this rolling hill. It's the temperature and the fact that the trees leaves look like if you touch them they would burst and it's all squishy and stuff around you but other than that it's mm-hmm. almost this surreal application of horror over normalcy and Egwene's like oh it's such a beautiful it's such a beautiful day is it Egwene yeah is it well it's like this little micro mm-hmm. ecosystem within mm-hmm. the blight where things could almost appear to be normal from far away but the more you focus on things you're like ooh like that's this is fucked up this is not good <laughs> yeah but that's all i had for the blight cool i think inktar really was disappointed that he couldn't go fight, fight the trollocs i feel as though inktar is a conflicted man Con- conflicted that- dark friend <laughs> yes i do i, I think that we 
I, Go ahead. I just, I'm so unsure of how, like I said, I don't know what Robert Jordan's intention was with Inktar at this point. Mm-hmm. But yeah. the fact that when Moraine and company are saying their goodbyes to him, he he's pressing for more information mm-hmm. on mm-hmm. what they're doing there. And mm-hmm. to me, that was a big red flag because he kind of just wouldn't let it settle. He mm-hmm. kept approaching this topic and more or more the Moraine basically without saying it's none of your business tells him it's none of his business and yeah yeah she's like we all have our part to play right we all have our place in the pattern so I'm just wondering I mean I don't think that Ingtar is the reason that Bethalmel and Agonor mm-hmm. show up I don't think he was mm-hmm. like oh hey they're over here I think that really was just Matt picking up his clay figure in that mm-hmm. previous chapter and then the mm. dark one or then the Alzaman was like noticing that he I knows see yeah now, now mm-hmm. yeah so now he knows who Matt is and that's how mm-hmm. they're like tracking them to the eye and then Moraine obviously like throwing firebombs probably helped as well yeah just a little <laughs> like signal <laughs> flares yeah interesting I have always kind of wondered how they knew to be there. I have the exact same observation and questions. Totally. Yeah. We'll talk to you about it when we get down to where the Forsaken show up. So anyway, one of the things about like relating back to Ingtar, if I remember correctly, and I I hope we talk about him more when we get to the Great Hunt. We'll, We'll kind of have to. But I feel as though he turned to the Dark One because he felt like the light couldn't win out, which I think is kind of the same way that Demon Dread, is that right? Or Ishamayel looked at it. One of the two Forsaken. And so I feel as though maybe maybe he has a hope for it. Maybe he doesn't like Trollocs. Maybe he mm-hmm. doesn't like the Shadow Spawn because they are Aganor's creations. They're not creations of the Dark One. Like when the Dark One was like, I'll create Shadow Spawn, he created helpless Drakkar with weird tiny hands and mm-hmm. no defensive skills. So I don't know. Maybe Ingtar sees it as something that could be different but his his heart is a borderlander heart still you know like i feel like there's still this part of him that belongs fully to his fight in the borderlands but he doesn't necessarily feel as though the trollocs and things belong there it will be a different way of governing through the dark one who Does knows that make sense? well who knows too what they're promised i mean right i'm sure if he knew you know like hey you're homeland's going to be destroyed it probably would be a little bit different than being like oh i can offer you power and Mm -hmm. a backing and strength and social status maybe then maybe he's like oh yeah okay but that sounds great i I don't have to you know like lose my home to hordes of trollocs do i like no you're fine no you're fine (laughs) yeah just kidding Mm -hmm. i'm wondering if the ability to feel the wrongness of the blight is connected to channeling furand like Nynaeve senses it that there's something wrong in the blight i mean it becomes obvious after a while everyone can see that there's something wrong but there's a feel of wrongness to it Rand says he feels it too and i'm just wondering like is he just extra intuitive? I think anyone with yeah. a nose can feel it. We feel that it's wrong? Okay, because it just felt like the way that Nynaeve was feeling it 
was more connected to her ability to channel and almost like uh, what is it? I mean, it's definitely feel possible. Feel the wind, read the wind, whatever it is. Yeah, she yeah. does. She does have a moment where it says she looked as though she was reading the wind or mm-hmm. something to that to that nature. And yeah, who knows? It's yeah, it's one of those little questions where I'm like, hmm, what all is connected to mm-hmm. Rand? And then Perrin's ability to pass through the blight without the same response as the others. We kind of talked about that earlier. I'm wondering if it's connected to his wolfy abilities. Mm-hmm. Maybe. Not sure. Uh, when Nynaeve is acting like she doesn't need to vomit, where's her goose mint? Oh, yeah. Why doesn't she, why why you isn't gobbling, she gobbling goose, goose mint? <laughs> exactly. I was like, why aren't you offering that around? Doesn't she know you just never, ever travel without anti-nausea medicine doesn't at one point it's a rule <laughs> weren't we talking about moraine needing some essential oils to help them sleep yes! like out of the staff when they were in the waves <laughs> now they need it when they're in this stinky <laughs> blight mm. here's some refreshing eucalyptus yeah have that so yeah i just thought it was funny that Nynaeve in other situations always seems to have just the right thing at her mm-hmm. fingertips. But I also don't remember if she has her bag of herbs with her still. But then the Maureen's use of the weave that bends the eye reminds me of other things that come up later, mostly like how you change your appearance. That mm-hmm. seems like another bending of the eye. And then Sherium uses it later when a Gween is almost killed in the White Tower. And is this a secret weave of the blue Aja? Hmm. Does everyone know this weave? To well, didn't the girls get that from Mogidian? The changing appearance, yes. Okay, but then like the the bending of the eye to hide something. Maybe it's like was... a similar, you know. Yeah. Well, yeah. And that's what I was wondering too. Like, if you're changing how someone's optics work when they're looking at you then the is it what is it called when they change their appearance does it have a name something the mask of mirrors or something maybe well and that's what i was thinking too but isn't that what maureen uses when she makes herself look like a giant to walk over oh you're you're right but i mean if they know how to do that how do they not know how to adapt that to changing their appearance you know it's just i'm wondering where all this weave can take the person who can channel and it seems like it's just kind of stopped at not the basic level but it could go much further past it a green sweetness in this moment her will all get to be together still this confidence that comes out that everything is going to be okay she knows they <laughs> they are on this journey that could very easily lead in any one of their deaths and instead she's we'll all be together and Tarvalin and Rand you'll be my warder and Matt you can go juggle something I don't know <laughs> but she wants them to all be together and it's sweet and it is nice but it, but I also I'm kind of like but what about everyone else like they have their own things that they want to do yeah and so she's like, yeah. no, like, come to me. Be with me, guys. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And Rand is even like, I don't think they, unless they have sheep for me to yeah, exactly. take care of, I don't know what else to do. And yeah. Maureen's like, I can think of something for you to mm-hmm. do, Rand. She's so cryptic. But it is sad because this is 
I think this is the last book where they are, besides like that brief mm-hmm. moment in the beginning of book two, yeah. that they're all together. Mm-hmm. And from here, everyone just keeps getting pushed off into different things. Even when they're traveling together later on, they're not really together. So and not all of them as a group either. Yeah. Yeah, so there are definitely bittersweet moments Mm -hmm. in these things where if you know what's about to happen, it just makes it kind of like, aw, a gween. Yeah. But I think that's everything that I had for 48. The only thing that I had is how fortuitous it was that Lan showing up in the Borderlands wasn't him to raise the banner and go to Tarwin's Gap. I think I talked about it the other week, but... Mm-hmm. Ingtar is like ready to go and I honestly believe that had they have gone to Tarwin's Gap now their army would have been decimated and then mm-hmm. you would have lost this gigantic warrior culture army military mm-hmm. for the last battle and they they're so mm-hmm. needed they were so necessary mm-hmm. and played yep. such a big part so yeah it's fortuitous maybe it's Tavirin I don't know Maybe mm-hmm. maybe this is part of Ingtar's, um, what he's supposed to do as a dark friend is get all these mm-hmm. people to go to their deaths. Maybe mm-hmm. he was promised being a lord of Shinar, having a king, yep. sh- or being a king. Who knows? Who knows? So, 49, the dark stirs. Mm-hmm. Okay, here's one of these questions. Moraine seems displeased that the creatures aren't avoiding attacks in her presence because she says, mm-hmm. no, like my presence will keep protect the, you. Yeah, will keep these forces of the shadow away. Mm-hmm. But how does that work? Yeah, I don't think that ever happens at all. It never happened anywhere. So Mm-mm. why did she it think didn't that? Stop Merdral from right. It didn't, coming into the inns that they were staying yeah, in. Yeah, it didn't. Sh- it didn't stop the <laughs> attack on Emmons Field. It didn't stop anything. Nope. So, I think later on they say like, "Oh, well, here in the blight, things are different. The blight's getting worse, and whatever." But I just thought like, "Okay, that's a weird little inconsistency." But who cares? Moving on. <laughs> it just it just happens. You're right, though. I mean, yeah. they are things that you 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 pick up on, especially if you you're not reading this for the first time. Because I think if you're reading this for the first time, there's so much going on and there's so much to be looking forward to mm-hmm. that you're not picking up on these little things that you're you're actually going to need to know for later. And so when you start paying that close of attention to it, you're like, wait a minute. Yeah. 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 That doesn't. What? How does? How does that Foolish. work? <laughs> Nonsense. Yeah. The next thing is <laughs> I I chose this chapter specifically because of all of the weird creatures. Mm-hmm. And we talked about uh, the Loch Ness Kraken guy earlier. <laughs> but... I'm sorry, the Loch Ness Kraken. Yeah. I know you had it pulled together <laughs> earlier, but when you say it all together like that, that's even better. But I have to talk about the Jumara because they're so weird. And they're so weird. I am one of those people. I love monster movies. It doesn't matter. I, it, it doesn't have to be like horror. I'm not so mm-hmm. much into like the Mothman prophecies or something like that where it's just kind mm-hmm. of like a gory or whatever. But I just like mm-hmm. the monsters themselves. Mm-hmm. So like kaiju stuff, you know, take your pick. 
But the Jumara <laughs> are just so cool to me. It's kind of got that like nod to Dune. Mm-hmm. And I think it was funny when they were being chased. And I think it was Moraine said, we just have to get, you know, to the mountains and then we'll be fine. And mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, I know this. This is the plot line from Tremors. You know, like they can't, <laughs> they can travel underground. But once you get to the bedrock, they can't go any further. So, okay. Are the, They're kryptonite. Yeah. Are the, are the Jumara traveling above ground or underground? Mm. Do we know this? Is there like rumbling underground and that's what scares everything away? Or are they like squishing around like... <laughs> Above ground. I always think of them as being above ground. Okay. And I'm not sure why. Well, the ground is like muck, right? So maybe they can just like slither their way. Yeah, I feel as though they (gasps) they have. Sorry, this goes along with my Jumara theory. Yeah. Because if they're if they're pollinating the okay, this is my Jumara theory. The Jumara it's one of my are actually <laughs> pollinating the blight. and Someone needs to do it. And this is like the question, you know how with the Ogier, it's not the Ogier who created the setting, it's the setting who created the Ogier. Well, maybe the Jumara are kind of like on the other side of the spectrum and they created the blight. Because they need a way to travel and they can't do it unless the ground is squishy. I was thinking their their poop was the fertilizer that created the blight. The blight. The, yeah, they're pollinating, <laughs> fertilizing. It's you know, it's it's a one man show. Mm-hmm. It's the circle it's of life. It's all in the Jumara. Yeah, but but that would make sense, right? If you're a creature that has to travel around and pop up from the mm-hmm. ground, you need a squishy place right how big are they supposed to be are they supposed to be really big i don't remember the actual size being discussed maybe someone knows someone can let us know but this is just it's one of these questions of like how are they going to do it on the tv show because i Mm -hmm. feel like the sandworm guys from dune are pretty iconic Mm -hmm. and then it makes me think about beetlejuice you know yes yeah so I was just and also say that. I kind of get this like <laughs> when I think about what the Jumara look like, I think of lamprey, you know, lampreys. They're like what? an eel, but they have a circular mouth with suction yes. on it yes, and yes, like yes. teeth. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. And those are disgusting, by the way. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. So Is would they the... like slither mouth down? Yeah, maybe. Can't, can you see my amazing hand gestures? Here, I'll bring them up here for you. That's what the that's how Jumara travel. <laughs> I can't think without moving my hands. But yeah, like, how do they move? How big are they? They're described as moving in packs, right? So, are they pack animals? Do they all pile up together to stay warm and cozy at night? Right? What's the yeah? Is, is it like? Should anyone think this much about Jumara? Is there a leader of the pack? Is there, (laughs) you know, an alpha Jumara that gets to eat first? Yeah. And also, okay, they have to be huge because it scares everything else away, right? Like, I feel like that would be... Because the thing that... the thing that Matt I don't know if size would necessarily determine that, would it? Well, the thing that Matt killed was the size of a bear. That's true. So, I mean... Yeah, but something... Something big 
and fast or like moderate in size and fast can still be terrifying to other creatures. Yeah, I'm just trying but to think I, about the pecking order within the blight. Yeah. Within these. Yeah. Within this little habitat. It's so cool. I hope we get it in the show. <laughs> the I shadow spawn I... and the creatures in the blight, I think, are the coolest. Some of the coolest I things about I think the opportunity, yeah, the opportunity to create a landscape like that yes. would just be irresistible. Right? The idea of all that squishing, squelching. Can you imagine being bursting. being in charge of how you want this to look? Because mm. a lot of it's going to have to be CGI. But can mm-hmm. you imagine bringing in artists and being like, okay, like, here's the landscape. Here are the creatures. Show me what you got. Because yeah. these need to be created. We, we're going to see these on screen. Mm-hmm. The lucky bastard getting to go through <laughs> all of the artwork. I want your job. Amazon Prime. I know you're listening. <laughs> it's been a minute. <laughs> I knew you would like that. I, I think I think that several times too where I'm like, I want to see how they put this together. Mm-hmm. Because I feel as though in so many ways, one of the things that I really like about rereading this series mm-hmm. is the opportunity to fill in the holes. You know? Mm-hmm. Like sometimes I think my brain almost flips to that animated perspective yeah. because I can't quite put a realistic mental image mm-hmm. to it. So it goes back and forth and really in so many ways Game of Thrones, I know we come back to Game of Thrones so often. I think again, almost inevitable. I think yeah, it is. It is. It gave us it gave us scenes that I feel I can see more clearly in my head now. Like things that are dirty and mucky and old and creepy and mean like there Mm -hmm. are so many things that my brain just couldn't quite put together and now I feel like there's a better backdrop for it there are still things that are very cartoony Mm -hmm. and yes Matt on a Torakin is definitely 110% (laughs) cartoony Mm -hmm. I don't know how else you would do that like that's how I see it in my head still so it's great I love you for it (laughs) (laughs) thank you thank you i just i love being able to like pull words into images in my head and like someday maybe i'll be able to like do that in real life and for if any of our listeners are people that didn't grow up in the 90s watch tremors (laughs) and then tell me if that's a jumara Why would you tell anyone to watch that movie? <laughs> it's a classic. Kevin Bacon. Come on. Kevin Bacon is a cowboy. <sighs> okay. With monsters. You're right. You win. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> Cinematic masterpiece. <laughs> have you seen it? Um, I, I have probably watched it, but it's been so oh my gosh the little girl okay so they they can track people through vibrations in the ground Mm -hmm. and there's that oh shit moment where there's a little girl bouncing on a pogo stick (laughs) and i think kevin bacon like no it was the other guy i think tackles her and like pulls her to safety but they're like what the fuck is she doing like go save her tremors is great moving on (laughs) meeting at the eye I think this is I think this is your note up here at the top. Yes. So I love it. Oh God. He's so gross. 
He's so gross. Agenor, so here's the scene. Bethelmel has mm-hmm. Nynaeve suspended in air. Her feet are twitching. The life is being sucked out of her. And I think it's Bethamol is like licking his, licking at his lips. Or no, 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 it's Agenor. And he mm-hmm. says, I've almost forgotten pleasures of the flesh. Mm-hmm. This is going to come back to haunt Nynaeve how many times? The accepted mm-hmm. test. And then, as I said earlier, where I was like, oh, this is such a great moment for Egwene. Then I got to mm-hmm. this moment and it brought me back to where Egwene in Teleron creates basically this exact scenario mm-hmm. to Nynaeve. And when I read this, I was like, no, is this where she yeah. got it from? Is this like where she pulled this memory or idea from? Mm-hmm. And it sickens me. I'm sickened. Yeah. But Fair question. Hmm. That, like if that's oh. where she, like, her memory pulled it from, it's a fair question. But yeah. again... Um, I don't want to be like dumping on these characters because as much as I criticize, I really do have a soft spot in my heart for all of them. Mm-hmm. The green man, when he makes this bed and it mm-hmm. kind of envelops an unconscious Nynaeve. Mm-hmm. Oh my God, my heart, my heart. Right. This is another mm-hmm. thing where we think about how you would see it on screen and it mm-hmm. just kind of has this serene feel to it where it looks like she Mm -hmm. just kind of like laid down to take a nap somewhere comfortable Mm -hmm. in the embrace of these roots that have grown up around her yes yeah and i mean which are actually the death throes of the green man and to have that tenderness and care still put into like he's so You're intentional as he walks through it oh, oh. i'm sorry <laughs> it's no I it's love so kind and... mm-hmm. i love how it says the wind almost like sighed farewell or like there was a note the breeze a or something and yeah it, yeah and i'm just like those are the things that it's really hard to capture mm-hmm. in the visual as opposed to the emotional reading right. of the books. Absolutely. And so, I mean, it it may feel very different for people watching the TV show depending on if like, it's where even, this moment yeah. takes them. Even mm-hmm. if, it, if it's even included, we don't know. But I, how, this would be I mean, really hard to do to convey the same feeling. Oh, yeah. But I'm also wondering, like, how necessary is this part to right. the beginning? I mean, seeing the... Oh, wow. What mm. if we just don't get a green man? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> I don't... We sad. don't... Yeah, I don't know. There's going to be big changes, so. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Have Have you seen the second Hellboy? I think so, but I don't... Is I it think... still the same actor? Uh-huh. What's it, his name? I love that actor. It... Oh, fuck. Oh, he's in uh, Sin City too, too. I don't remember. But the second, the second Hellboy, Hellboy is that right? Um, Guillermo, Guillermo del Toro yes, yes. directed it. There is a section in the movie where something is growing like a creature and it's very Green Man-esque, but almost less... Well, I don't really know. It's I haven't watched it in a very long time, but the visual really sticks with me because it gives you that growth can be destructive and beautiful at the same time. And that's what 
we get in the green man is this ability like when he takes out Bathamel by making him burst with mushrooms and mm -hmm. all of i think like death caps death yeah cap, mm -hmm. mushrooms and things like that everything that grows in the dark and the dank and in tombs like this is what envelops this human and takes them out and it's, it's almost like because we're told that Bethlehem is, he doesn't have a tongue or something. He can't speak mm -hmm, anymore. And he's mm -hmm, wearing mm -hmm. this like BDSM mask neck. and like leather gloves, which is like weird to me, but so bizarre. Whatever. Um, yeah. So is he covering rotting flesh that he's mm -hmm. like not fully? Yeah. Okay. So I'm so glad that you asked this. Yeah. Like I almost felt like since he wasn't, he was already halfway rotting anyways, the green man mm -hmm. just like touched on that and was like, I'm going to make Able something. To yeah. Like I'll bring you to life. I'll bring you to life again. <laughs> just not in the way you want. Just my idea yeah. of life. Right. Not yours. Right. So Agenor says they were imprisoned too close to the surface mm -hmm. and like he says something like the wheel grinds hard this close to the surface or whatever it is mm -hmm. and then he follows it up with we just have to wait until the dark one has more power and gives us new bodies so i feel like right now everything ab yeah like he was basically a moving corpse yeah yep almost zombie-esque i was gonna say we got has... monsters we got zombies we got we got all kinds of good stuff going on here i would i would be sad i would be really sad to miss this in the show i think it would be so mm -hmm. cool to do i think it would be a challenge that i would want to take on if i were an art director or something for this particular section it has so much room to be really incredible See, that's the thing too though i feel like if you get something like this wrong Mm, then it true. makes then you might feel like it's cartoony or something mm -hmm. you know what i mean like this is and gonna not be not in the way you want it to be mm -hmm. this is gonna be yeah. tough tough post-production yeah. is going to be long yeah i wish i could be there to see it right a fly on the wall yeah these are the things that i i'm huge on the behind the scenes and how things become what they become so i hope they have an after show like, behind oh the God, behind yes, the please. scenes all kinds yes. of stuff i want all of that i love exactly. that kind of stuff. moving forward is the eye of the world kind of pointless yeah i think we just touched <laughs> on that just now mm -hmm. yeah um, i i so it okay I'm speechless. I just don't know. Yeah, it, it might have sparked the idea for Rand to cleanse Sidene, mm -hmm. which later on, but it's still uh, like a debatable MacGuffin. And <laughs> so this is like this is like the debate. So if an object or a device or event that is necessary to the plot and motivation of the characters ends up mm -hmm. being insignificant. And like they get to the eye, but I kind of just felt like it was just a trap to get someone there because mm -hmm. they're like planting the seeds of like, oh, come to the eye. We're attacking at the eye and we're going to take mm -hmm. out the eye. And then they get mm -hmm. there and they're like, you idiots. We just wanted to find the <laughs> dragon, you know? But, you big dum dum. But at that point, if they were chasing Matt because they knew 
his face. His face, then I mean, did they really need the eye at that point? Or they were just headed there already? So then Goofball, Agonor, and Bathamal come out of the tree line and they're like, I found you. You know? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I don't know. I think it was just a trap. Just a trap. Trap. Yeah. And as far as whether or not it's necessary, so... My my beef with the eye of the world is it's supposedly almost this sacred mm-hmm. source of pure Sadine, which mm-hmm. doesn't exist anywhere else in the world. Mm-hmm. The only way that men can touch Sadine without going insane is if they are connected to the Dark One and the Dark One has shielded them from that. Mm-hmm. And Rand just uses it all in one go. It's like, we don't know why yeah. these, these Aes Sedai from the Age of Legends set it aside, but it's here to fight the Dark One, and instead he uses it to take out one Forsaken. It's kind of like it's there because prophecy, don't think about what? it. <laughs> yeah, and you're like, but wait, don't you think that that could have been saved for something a bit more dire, perhaps? like You wasted it on Agonor? Right. <laughs> Why did you do that? And then to have then to have the banner of the dragon and the horn sitting in there underneath that means that they created this pure source of Sadine that could only be wielded by a man who could channel. Did it specifically have to be the dragon who got it like I just don't understand well, yeah why you I would... mean it seems okay so anyone in in need can find it so is it mm-hmm. just like waiting for the right person mm-hmm. because prophecy and the green man is just supposed to know who the right person is it's confusing well and it's it seems like agonor starts striding towards the cavern where that source of sadine is in that pool mm-hmm. and i think that's when maureen is like you shall not pass and all that good I was stuff. just going to say <laughs> the Gandalf moment. Mm-hmm. You know what we didn't talk about when she lost her staff last week? Oh, right. She, when she was using it as a lightsaber, right. flamethrower thing. She's like, ah, oh, shit. It's so Broken. multi-purpose. Yeah. It's better than a, what are they called? A Leatherman? Yeah. <laughs> It's her Aes Sedai version of a Leatherman. It's like a Swiss army knife. Yeah, yeah. It can do so many things. Um, mm-hmm. But that's all I had for the Eye of the World. I'm glad that you asked that question. Yeah, the one thing to counter it is they did have the horn and the Minethrin. The banner of the dragon. The, or, yeah, thank you. Which was needed. So mm-hmm. there was but if something. They had, if they had waited until they actually faced the Dark One to use that pool of Sadine. The banner wouldn't have been in play as early as it was, <laughs> and neither would the horn. Mm-hmm. So would they have been able to access it when they needed it? What would have happened if the Eye of the World, instead of uncovering it here at the end of the first book, came in <laughs> later? You know? Maybe even right before the first battle. Like, they get there, they have a discussion around it, Some people they leave don't, it. Some people aren't happy that the horn was blown so early in the series because then in the last battle, it's like, oh, this old thing again? <laughs> you know what I right. mean? Right. Oh, we're doing this again? Cool. Mm-hmm. That's nice. Like, you're expecting it. Although... 
I didn't mind just because I love the great hunt no. so much, but well, and I also like the fact that we know the characters who show up at the last battle better because we've seen mm-hmm. them already. We've interacted with them. That's true. We get that stuff. Like we get a lot of backstory and more information mm-hmm. from Brigida. And would it have made as much sense had we not already encountered some of these characters in that battle at Falme? So I feel as though it, it actually does play a pretty mm-hmm. I don't want to say crucial role, but definitely a really nice background role to be able to dive deeper into understanding what happens and how things show up later on. All I wanted to say is, and I think I touched on this earlier, Rand's promise to protect Egwene. It's really sweet that he wants to do this, but... But. (laughs) Come on, dude. (laughs) Sorry, Rand. Let her do her thing. I mean, her slapping his hands (laughs) away when he's trying... Like, swatting at him. myself! Brand. It's Do stuff. Uh, it's adorable. It's mm-hmm. adorable. There are just all of these little touches of, aw, aw, aw. Like, I feel like I'm that way through so much of the book. The strength it took to create the eye of the world. When I first read the series, I did not understand that they all burned themselves out to, to be able it. to create the eye of the world. And then Rand and Nynaeve used the Choden call. And between the two of them, cleanse all of Sadie. Yeah. So good. That's pretty awesome. Lord. My eyes are huge. Mm-hmm. No, that's huge. a great point. That's a great point. It really shows how powerful yep. they both are. And then mm-hmm. on top, I mean, they're the most powerful channelers. Mm-hmm. And then once they, you know, have the Choden call, that's just like mega OP. Their strength is really, really incredible. I like that it's Nynaeve that gets to pair up with Rand and that his trust in her. She, I think she's one of the few people that he trusts from beginning to end, mm-hmm. you know? And I think yeah. Nynaeve's worth it. I think even though she goes through changes, she becomes more the person she knows she is. She becomes mm-hmm. more her truer self. Mm-hmm. The last observation is Asengar and Aaron Gar. And by the time they show up God. in what book 5, it's like wait a minute, something who what? Who are these you people again? again? I completely forgot that the two forsaken at the beginning had even happened. And then to like bring them back again and you're and they don't tell you. They don't tell you. Well, when I read like, it, oh. I was just like, who are these creeps? Okay, they're right? forsaken. What does that mean? Don't care. They're dead now. Okay, whatever. And then when they come <laughs> back, they come back, you're like, wait, who 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 is this guy? Who are you? What's happening oh, now? Okay, we're just we're just coming back to life. Everybody gets a new life. Yep. And I mean it goes back to the like when Agnor says, you know, we're decaying now, but the dark one, when he has, like, he when he's touching the world more, he'll give us new bodies. Mm-hmm. That never really hit me in the same way before. And I was like, oh, you guys knew. You mm-hmm. knew, even though you resurrected from your 3,000 long coma. Nap that thing. Yeah, you were going to get new bodies. That's cool. But I... I personally, I think the whole bringing... I think they should stay dead. No, I love Halima. I do. It's I... She's such a weird character. 
and like her role with i mean you can totally cut her out and it could would be that fine, not just but... be like any dark friend though <sighs> just a channeling black aja i member? you know what though i don't think so no because halima can channel sadine so when she channels women around her can't feel it like this she can do all kinds of stuff and no one will know. And she infiltrates really easily with a queen and has but access just... to the Amberlin. Oh, yeah. I mean, so does Sherian, but, you know. That's a good point. That's a good point. I think she's a really interesting character. I think the idea of putting a womanizer in a woman's body but could what, be. But what does, I mean, besides, you know, like some headaches and stuff. Does she have some major plot points besides just stirring up trouble? I'd have to look into this. I don't this. remember. Yeah, I honestly don't remember. She was kind of just meeting up with the other chosen and being like, this mm-hmm. is what's going on. But yeah, I don't know. I'm creating tension headaches. You're welcome, welcome everyone. Yeah. <laughs> that's, I, think, I think that's all I've got because this is that's all be I've got a too. heck of a long episode. It's- you know what? It, it's probably just going to be me pulling out pauses from me not being able to put words together. It'll be great. Okay. <laughs> Thanks so much for joining us. We will continue to release new episodes every Wednesday. We would love if you would subscribe to the podcast, leave us reviews, and share us with your friends in the Wheel of Time community. Let us know what you thought of our content. Correct us. Send us things we may have missed. You can find links to our email and social media accounts in the show notes. And if you have the Anchor app, leave a voice message for us to play in upcoming episodes. We also have a website where you can find links to our Discord channel, social media platforms, and merch shop. So until next week, thanks for joining us on the road to Tarvalin.